0: So three times in this reading, the word parable is mentioned and parable was a main teaching tool that our Lord used. It's a literary device that helps us to understand and Christ used it extensively. In fact, the Bible is the main place we find parables. And we have here a parable found only in Mark. So other things are in multiple gospels. This one's only in Mark. And it's one of the prophecies, actually, that says when the Messiah comes, he will speak in parables. So we see our Lord fulfilling this as being the Messiah. Now, parable is so important to understand the Gospels. And again, he talks about parable is how Jesus taught. So let's look at that real quick. The parable or the word parable comes from Greek, meaning comparison or illustration or analogy. That is what it does. A parable is a short tale that illustrates a universal truth. Basically, it's truth in pictures, but not physical pictures, mental pictures. All right. And it's often has as a character that either has a moral dilemma or does something or doesn't do something. Like the parable, the parable of the prodigal son is called the greatest short story ever written in history. Wow. When you read it, it is. Well, anyway, the parable suggests that how a person should behave or should not. This is why when non-Catholics always jump on the Catholics about saying your deeds mean nothing, your works mean nothing. The works are the second part. God's grace, yes, is the beginning. But our deeds are important. You heard postulant Jeff read from the letter of Paul to the Corinthians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense according to what he did in the body, whether good or evil. Does that sound like your deeds mean nothing? We're here to wake us up so that we realize our deeds do mean something. But yes, nothing happens without God's grace. So this is, well, well, I'll, (laughs) I'll get to that more about it. Let's finish with the parable. All right, the parable, as I said, suggests how a person should behave or should not behave or what they should believe or not believe. All right, so a parable begins with something that the people could understand. So if you want to talk to me about a parable, just talk about fishing. I will totally get that. A priest is a fisher of men. Okay, so I go out. I said, Brother Mark and I were two fishermen before we came to the Marians. And God said, now we're going to make you fisher of men. You're going to go out and catch and bring back in. That I can relate to because I love to fish. That's the one thing. It's the only thing I try to get a few days a year. That's the only time off I get, and I love it. That's what I do. So I can understand that. The same with these people Jesus is talking to. They're farmers. It's an agrarian culture. So they can understand seeds. Well, at least somewhat. All right, the parable begins with what the man or woman who's listening can understand because they have experience. But it'll lead them, and this is what's important, it leads them from things which they can learn, all right? So basically, it's within his own experience, and from it, it leads on to things which he may not yet understand on his own, but through the parable can come to understand it. Now, what do I mean? All right, it opens our eyes by beginning where we are and leading us to where we ought to be. That's the whole way God does it. And he's doing it here. So the basic definition of a parable is an earthly story. We all know the earth, we live on it, with a heavenly meaning, which is our goal to get there. And so this is what it is. It reveals truth to those who want the truth. That's why it says Jesus told those in private. Without parables, he did not speak to some, but others in private, because those who don't want the truth Not even the Lord can change that. I mean, he can change the heart, but you got to cooperate with it. So the people could understand planting. So man's job is to plant the seed. God's job is to grow the seed. It tells us basically we're helpless, right? It does not make, basically he does not make the seed grow, nor does he understand how. God does that. It has the secret of life within it. That's incredible you think of a seed. Do you ever look at a seed and think, how in the world could a tree come out of this? So no man has ever created anything. Even the seed has creation already built into it and it blossoms. What do you mean, Father? No, man does not create. That was the fault of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment said, God, we don't need God. Man Rational man creates. Actually, man doesn't create anything. What are you talking about, Father? No. Mm -mm. No man has ever created in the full sense of the term. What do I mean? Man can discover things. We can rearrange things. We can develop things. But we don't create. Only God does we do not create the kingdom of god we can help or hinder it god's the creator now this is why i love when people write to me and say there's no proof for the existence of god and i always like to say just look around you the very fact that you took your last breath is a proof of existence of god but if you want to do it in a way that says i don't want Don't give me this faith thing. Scientifically, I want to prove God exists, and I can't. It does not exist. I got one just two nights ago. This is there's absolutely zero positive, no way, shape, or form, any scientific proof that God exists. You can read it on the comments online. It's on one of our YouTube video comments. I left it up there. And the great thing about that is Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas gave five proofs to God where you don't need one ounce of faith. By just using your human reasoning alone, you can determine five different ways that God exists without one stitch of faith. So to the atheist, I think it's a powerful tool. What are these five proofs of God? Well, I don't have time to explain them, but my favorite is number two, the second proof of the existence of God by Thomas Aquinas is called efficient cause. Everything in the world had a cause, had an efficient cause, its maker, something made it. Who made you? Your parents. Well, who made them? Their parents. Who made them? Their parents. How far back are you going to go? You can't go ad infinitum. You can't go infinitely into the future. Everything has to have a beginning. But again, there cannot be this infinite series of such makers. You can't say, well, who made you? Your parents. Well, who made them? Your parents. Well, who made you? Their parents. How far is that going to go? It can't go out into infinity. Because that series would then have no beginning. And Thomas Aquinas says, if it does not have a beginning point, it cannot exist now. Well, guess what? You and I exist now, which means we have to have had a beginning. There must have been a first maker somewhere who made me, my parents who made them, their parents. And again, they didn't create me. They participated in God's creative act. So the first maker or the first cause is what we call God. Thomas Aquinas says at some point there has to be a first maker from which all other things come. That is God. So this parable then speaks of the empire of this creator's church. Something that started very small grows into something great. The tree... Now, what's he talking about? The mustard seed grows into this tree is the church. And Pastor and Jeff read that the birds will come into the tree. The birds stand for all the nations who find shelter within that tree. There is the Catholic Church in every single nation in the world. I don't believe any other religion can say that. The Catholic Church is the true church that is that tree with all the birds of the world can come and find shelter. The church began, and this is powerful, with an individual seed in first century Palestine and blossomed into something that is in every ounce of the world. It was meant to be spread to the whole world. It started as small as a mustard seed And now grew to fill the whole world, to have room for every nation of the world. Every bird can fly. We now find shelter in this tree like Noah's Ark. A couple weeks ago, I gave a talk on Noah's Ark. I said, it's like the church. You find shelter in it. Like these birds find shelter in the tree. All right, so to finish, God wants good things to start small so we keep humble and then grow large where we can see it was with his hand. Many say, well, I have nothing to do with it. Now, I mentioned atheists that say God has nothing to do with it, but then we can become to the opposite. We Catholics can say, well, God does it all. I don't have to work hard today. I'm just going to sit around. God will take care of it. It's kind of like, um, you know, saying, well, gee, Father Chris, you know, we don't need an association of Marian helpers. God will do it all. You're not trusting in God. You, you're, you labor day and night trying to keep the association going. You're not, you're not trusting. It's, it's all in God. Oh, trust me. I know it's God who does it. But I can't throw my feet up on the desk and just sit back all day and say, OK, God, make it happen. I got to do my part. We have to do our part. So to say, I have nothing to do with it, God will take care of it. That's missing the point too. Yeah, it's true. Everything involves God's creative act and then our cooperation. We have to do our part. God wants us to be involved. Even salvation history... In the redemption of mankind, he wants us involved. How? To carry his cross with him. Why do you think your suffering is allowed by God? You suffer and that's allowed by God, not because he hates you, not because I, uh, the one on Noah's Ark said, again, God bless you people. I think it's so awesome that non-Christians come to these sites that's God working in their heart. I almost want to write and say, do you not think that you coming to this site to trash the Christian religion, is it because God brought you here? He did. And some of these sites said, what kind of God would just crush every man? Oh, that's a lot of love. And so at least they're here. At least they're looking at it. At least they're they're saying. And it's funny because What's hard to understand is why God would allow this suffering. God allows it because then we participate in his cross, which redeemed mankind. John Paul II called us mini co-redeemers. When we share in the cross of Christ, we are sharing in salvation history. Jesus could do it all alone, and he did do it all alone on the cross, but he wants to be with He wants us to be with Him. Mary partook in salvation history. Her fiat, without her fiat, Jesus isn't born. And so we are this. He gives us intelligence and a rational will and most of all freedom to take part or not take part. This is why when our freedoms are being stripped, it's stripping the very essence of the humanity that God gave us. This is why the church puts keeping freedom as such an important topic. This is why the church and Leo Thirteenth and every pope since has condemned socialism and Marxism and communism. I got attacked for that. How you, can you say these negative things, Father Chris, about communism? I'm blown away. Read the church. Read since every pope says Leo XIII that has warned us of the dangers of socialism and Marxism that strips the human being from all freedoms. They destroy the patriarchy because that authority should belong to the state, they think. And so they want to tear down the family because the state is your God. Uh Uh-uh. And that's why, praise be to God, that we had people in this nation that gave their lives so that we could keep that freedom. This is why God calls us to take part. He wants you to be involved. This is why the lukewarm sinner, he said, is most displeasing to me. I'd rather you super hot or super cold. Just don't be lukewarm. Wow. Wow. Be hot or cold. Why would God want us cold? Like Paul. Paul was as cold as you could get. He was crucifying Christians, but God saw in him a passion. He thought he was doing the right thing. And so God turned around and says, I can use you. And talk about using small things to become great. Y'all heard me say before, you know who St. Paul was? He was ball-headed, bow-legged, hook-nosed, and (laughs) four-foot-eight. And God used him to change the world. I don't think we'd have a church today without St. Paul. So anyway, God plants this finish. God plants these seeds, but wants us to care for them, to cultivate them. It's a way to test us. Are we going to be a good farmer, a good steward? This is why he involved the apostles. Like at the multiplication of the loaves, Jesus multiplied the bread. But did Jesus go out and feed every individual person? He could have, but he chose not to. He used the men of the church. He said, you guys do it. I'm going to set you up. That's what a good parent does. A good parent sets up the child for success in life, but then says, you got to do it. And this is why parents' hearts are broken and they feel like they they have to stop the child or get involved with the child. No, what you got to do is set your child up. Like Jesus set up the apostles. Then what did Jesus do? He stepped back. Literally, he ascended back to the father. This is the purpose of the church, the church is now in its place. I got another comment yesterday. This is the church has absolutely no authority. Jesus Christ has authority. Yes, Christ has all authority, but he delegated that authority to the church. That's why I think these live streams are awesome. Because somehow, guess what we're doing in the, in the hearts of those people who write and criticize the church? We're planting seeds. So don't hesitate if you feel like helping. <laughs> We're planting seeds. Even if they don't want to hear it right now, even if they don't believe it right now, we're planting seeds in their hearts. And those seeds will grow maybe 10, 20, 30 years from now. All right? So that's what makes our Catholic faith different. That's why he involved the apostles and sent them out. Apostle means to send out. And that's what makes us different. We, we believe that. God uses us. It's not all about just Jesus only. He could be, he should be, he is, but he gives it to us to carry out his mission. That's what evangelization is. So the farmer prepares the soil. God puts the seed in, but the farmer prepares the soil and he doesn't know how the growth happens. It just does. It's the same with us. Put yourself in fertile soil. Avoid near occasion of sin and God will transform you just like the seed. Yes, God does it, But he needs our cooperation. How are we saved? We are saved by grace. Grace comes from God, only from God, depends 100% on God. It is from God. But that grace, like a good meal in front of you, what good does that good meal do? You could have the chef of of the whole world, the greatest chef of the world, make you the most gourmet meal. But if you don't eat it, it's not doing anything for you. God's grace is that greatest meal. The mass is the greatest meal. It's a wedding feast, it's a meal and a sacrifice. God puts that great meal in front of you, but if you don't eat it, and he's not gonna take your head and slam your face into that meal and force you to eat it. We have to make that choice. That's the Catholic faith. This is what, God bless our non-Catholic brethren, keep missing. It does take works. Not works of the law, works of love. As Brother Jeff read, everyone will face a judgment so that each may receive his recompense according to what he did in the body, good or evil. Cooperate with that grace. Augustine, St. Augustine said, God created us without us, but God will not save us without us. Think about that for a minute. St. Augustine, God created us without us, but he will not save us without us. God bless you.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org.